This, 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 this is mythical. Welcome to Ear Biscuits. I'm Rhett. And I'm Link. This week at the round table of dim lighting, we're gonna talk about the future. Mm. With Derek Muller, known everywhere on the internet as Veritasium, uh, amazing YouTube creator and uh, scientifically minded person who is, uh, yep. We have had a very stimulating conversation. We have had it. We've had it and we're teeing it up for you Ear Biscuiteer. A um, lot of fun uh, for us to speculate about things that will happen in the future and I know that uh, this is it's, it's striking, it's, it's speaking your love language. I like to talk about the future. I, 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 I like to talk about the future with people who know things about the future and actually have informed guesses about the future as opposed to myself that just has formed guesses about the future. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Formed meaning you formed it, meaning yeah, you made I, them up. Meaning I formed them, meaning I got lots of guesses about the future and I have formu formulated them, but they're not informulated necessarily. So, so we get into um, a lot of things in, in our conversation with Derek and uh, we also clear up, I, I will say that you're the one who made it awkward but I think we cleared up something that was a little it all start an interpersonal conflict between Derek and if I. If you want to lay blame here, if you want to lay years. blame here, blame number one re part responsible party is Derek. Oh, number okay. two responsible party is you because of the way you reacted. And number I'm just saying technical responsibility. He's the one who started like it. scientific responsibility. Yeah, but that doesn't mean. But then you got very close second because of the way you took it. And now I'm just a guy who likes to be entertained. I'm third on this totem pole, man. I'm third. You need to invert that. Okay. Entirely. All right. You then me then Derek. You can do that if you want. Um, but it was fun and it was interesting and it 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 it, it might have been a little awkward. I mean, his mom was watching, for goodness sakes. Yeah, that's what was gonna like be she, so great. I wanted her to come out and referee. <laughs> so uh, that's, what you, that's what you got in store for you as you're listening tonight. I feel like you're listening at night for well, some reason well, to this one. Now you just alienated everyone who doesn't listen at night. Even if it's during the day, it's just. It's, it's night now, somewhere. It's night in your soul right now. Oh God! You're listening in your. That's the worst. You're listening in your ear night of the soul us. is like dark night of the soul is. That's a bad thing, man. So we talked about, um, we talked about cars. Cars. And I didn't mention this, but we can get into it a little bit more. Um, we got a, the Neils got a, got a vehicle. Well, um, pretty big deal here. A replacement vehicle for. Uh, for the illustrious minivan. Now I haven't talked to you about this, but I wanted to. And it does something that is very futuristic, right? But but we but we'll talk about that later because the thing that the most interesting aspect of this is the fact that you unminivanned, which is a you know minivanning as a decision is already a bit of a decision, right? I've never made that decision, and then you unminivanned, and I just want to know what went into it's interesting what went into the process. I mean. I've been a I've been a proud minivanner for many years. Maybe 7 years. Maybe more than that. More than that. I've you, been through you, 3 minivans. You got one right after you had your first kid. Oh yeah. So I mean No, I didn't. Did I? You had a minivan with a second kid, bro. De definitely with with Lincoln. So we're talking 12 years. Um which two kids does not 
require a minivan. So yeah, we made a choice to go for it, for the spaciousness. And, and the drivability, man. It drives like a car, it fits a lot of people in it. It's very yeah, practical. You can get a lot of people in it. I remember right when we got it, we went on a whitewater rafting trip and it was me, my dad, you, Greg, Greg's dad, and another person. And I was like, oh, we'll take the minivan. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's perfect. And while I appreciate all that, uh, I have a certain level of pride. I'm not saying it's a good thing, <laughs> but I, and, for, and I only had two kids, so I didn't need a minivan. You, had a, you have a, you have a, but I, a stigma. I yeah. Be, well, this you let vi, the stigma get mi, to you. Minivans have a stigma. Yeah. And so, you know, in, in the way that in the way that our families work is that you know we've got the car that we typically drive, and then you've got the car that uh, your wife typically drives, and she's going to be the one that has the bigger one because she's picking up the kids from school and and and, and more often dealing with them than we are during yeah. the day. But then, oh, I wouldn't be caught dead driving a minivan just me. That's crazy. No, but but I'm just saying that like there are moments, and I'm not saying this is a healthy thing, but there are just times when I'm in a place, and I don't want people to just pigeonhole me as the guy with the minivan. So that's the reason that I recognize how practical it is. So I was just like, I'm gonna get an SUV that basically is. I know it's not as convenient; it's harder to get in and out of all these things. Mm -hmm. But it was just a sense of uh, external appearance that keeps a lot of people from going to the minivan. You made a shallow choice to not get a minivan. Yeah, but because. I made a deep choice. But because the, that's. To get a minivan. But that, that is the way the world works because people are shallow and so sometimes you have to make shallow decisions to live in a shallow world. Okay, that, if that makes you feel better. And you've now made a shallow decision. Well, I'll say that um, years of being a minivan driver, I think, got to us. <laughs> so like we couldn't, you could, we could only fight that good fight so long and one day, Christian and I were just sitting down and there was a, just, just we weren't, you know, it was just one of those like silent moments. Kids, <laughs> silent moments. The kids aren't around. Here we are just sitting down. A moment of reflection. And then it's, yeah, I think it turned reflection-y. <laughs> reflective. And then. I like reflection-y. Could you, you just use that and word? And then please? all of a sudden, Christy was like, I wouldn't like another minivan. Oh, <laughs> it was her! <laughs> It got to her, and I was like, oh. "I would." Did she say it? Are you, hold on. Did she uh, phrase it exactly that way? Because that it sounds so. I wouldn't like another minivan. Like that's an interesting way to say. Um, or did you just say that right now? I did say it right now. I heard myself say it. <laughs> I think that was her sentiment. I can't. I you know. I don't remember conversations. I'm willing to bet she did not just out of the blue say, "I wouldn't like another minivan." And then I was like, "I too am in agreement." You guys are weird. <laughs> In your reflectionary moments. Um, reflectionary moments. I, we were both feeling it. You know, like the minivan was getting a lot of miles. Once it breaks 100,000 miles, you gotta replace the transmission in that puppy. Yeah. And I did that twice. And I was like, I am not doing that again. That's when so, think the problems really start. So then um, when we were gonna get in, I was like, we need, we're, we're breaking a 100 grand in terms of miles, not in terms of. We're gonna spend 100 that. grand on a minivan. <laughs> That is quite a minivan. It's got gold rims. Hundred thousand miles. I'm. We got to get out from under the. We got to get. We got to. We got to shed this uh, skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're like, well, let's not get another minivan. But was there a discussion beyond that, or was it just a feeling during a reflectionary, reflectiony moment, where you just that was like, it? You we, just you, we were in agreement. You vibed, yeah. Not yeah, we were minivan. vibing about it, and then so, um, we wanted that. 
I mean, with three kids, we wanted a car that had captain's chairs in the second row. So then basically we got a, we, we just picked an SUV that had captain's chairs in the second row so that the kids wouldn't be in a bench seat. They have to have physical separation. They have to have their own seat or it's just gonna be bad. It can't be like. Oh, that's, it's not about access to the back row. It's about it, physical separation. That's the, the first reason is you, everyone has their own seat and it's not two people on a big bench that then it's like, well, how much of the bench are you taking? I just didn't wanna have that argument. So that narrowed down what, what we were gonna go with. And I don't even wanna say what we bought because A, they're not paying me and B, I don't care enough to say, mm. honestly. But I, I am tempted to um, brag a little bit because it's got an auto parking feature. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. And I didn't, I didn't really know that, that cars had this because I have a minivan with 100,000 miles on it. Right, but I saw like a and Nissan other, commercial from like seven years ago where they were advertising this technology. And I probably saw it and I was like, that's stupid. <laughs> I can park my own car. I, I, one of the things that I took the most pride in when I first started dating Christy was my ability to park in a space on yeah. a date and I would always back in. You're, you're a back in her. I, I would back in and she was really impressed with that. I would always back in my Nissan, 1987 Nissan pickup. Doesn't take much, does it? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> that sounded like you insulted my wife. Or I can't figure out, did you insult me or my wife? Uh, I'm just saying a woman who who's really impressed by a man who backs in, I'm just saying. Mm, you take must, it back. <laughs> don't, you don't insult my wife on, on I'm a podcast. I'm insulting. Insult me. I'm insulting you through your wife. That's the how. That's the way I went at it that way that time. Well, I don't appreciate it. Okay, I take it all back. In <laughs> what? I didn't even hear. It. I said I take it all back. In because you're back. You're, you're back in. <laughs> it was actually an incredible joke, and everyone in the room laughed. Uh, but you didn't get it because you're spending too much time thinking about backing into spaces. So you and can that get is, out quick. And that's what matters. That you said something funny, not the apology. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um. So anyway. This car, it only when it ba when it um, parks automatically, it does it by backing only. I didn't. Did you know that that self-parking cars back in exclusively, or at least this one? It will not go into a because I know it parallel parks, but it also goes well, into a regular space. A proper parallel parking procedure is to back in. Right. You, you, so that, you can't. You, the physics of how a car works, right, you can't so, parallel so park nose first. Doesn't work nearly as well. But you can't even choose to pull into a space. Yeah, it'll it'll automatically park in, in parking spaces that are like normal, like cars beside each other, not, not end to end, but side by side. Well, but it will only back into those. And it's a scary thing and it feels awesome. But I've lost a little bit of myself. I've given myself over and that's what we talked about when we talk about the future is how much of ourselves are we gonna give over to the robot overlords? We discussed that mm -hmm. in depth Well, it makes and me, I've, I've broken the seal personally now. Well it makes me think that maybe, again because we talk about this as well about how I have this faith in AI helping us be, be, be able to solve problems mm -hmm. and what you've basically proven here Link yeah. is that at least with your car the AI has determined that the best way to get into a spot is to back in, which might potentially settle our long-standing argument. 
And I'm trying to make up for insulting my wife. I will accept it. I'm willing. Yes. I think you're missing the bigger point here. Finally, I. The whole point. I've been right the whole time. The whole point of appealing to AI is that it is something beyond the two people and their flawed understandings can achieve. Now, if there's other cars out there that don't just exclusively back in, then you know I'm going to take it all back. But at least as as far as this particular car company that I'm not going to mention is concerned, and this particular model that you have is concerned. Mm -hmm. If that's the AI we're we're deferring to, I love it. You win the argument for now. Yep. Until I get a car that go, pulls in. This episode of Ear Biscuits is supported by HelloFresh. HelloFresh is the meal kit delivery service that makes cooking more fun so you can focus on the whole experience, not just the final plate. Here's how it works. Each week, HelloFresh creates new delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions designed to take around 30 minutes to make for everyone from novices to seasoned home cooks short on time. And you know what, the thing we love is that the kids get involved. Lily loves cooking stuff, and this is very empowering for her to cook for the whole family and not waste anything. You know, like all the ingredients are there and try new things she's never had. Even Lando gets involved. He likes to cook stuff now because of because of the HelloFresh box. Well, what'd you have this week? Oven roasted Mediterranean cauliflower, because we picked the veggie option with tzatziki and chili cumin oil. I mean, that's something that I don't think we would have ever eaten, but then it's like, whoa, this is great, and we made it. Well, we had something that took me back home, Carolina barbecue chicken with mac and cheese and green beans. Pretty simple, classic meal. We did not let the kids get involved because that's when things go wrong, and it has nothing to do with the instructions. It just has to do with just the tendencies of my children. (laughs) Because the, the, the recipes are very simple, I can follow follow them. I don't spend a lot of time cooking, but I don't have to spend a lot of time cooking with this easy to follow directions. Now, HelloFresh delivers food to your doorstep in a recyclable insulated box for free, and this all comes out to less than $10 a meal. Yeah, so Mythical Beast, we have a deal for you. For $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, all you gotta do is visit HelloFresh.com and enter promo code EAR30. That's HelloFresh.com, enter promo code Ear three zero. Remember, supporting our sponsors like HelloFresh is a great way to support Ear Biscuits. Now, on with the biscuit. I remember it was a bus and it was the daytime and we were, that's where we met. So it was some YouTube event. Oh. And then there were guys who um, created weird vehicles and they had like a YouTube channel but they were, they had an accent but I don't know. Yeah, they were Australian. They were Australian. They were these guys yeah, who do yeah. Mighty Car Mods. And you yeah, knew yeah, them, yeah. yeah or I'm, of I'm, them. I'm also kind of Australian. Kind of. Yeah, I was but born not, there. But I was not, born there, but I don't have the accent. Right, well, I can so, try to put one on if you like. Well, <laughs> well I mean, you, just do it. It's too that, late now. That would really as annoy. You, as you please. That would really annoy Did the you ever have it? Did you ever have the accent? No, no, because I, I moved away when I was like 18 months old. We moved to Canada, so I'm uh. essentially Canadian. But then I moved back when I was 21 and lived there for a decade. But I think by the time you're 21, you've got your accent. You know what it's yeah. going to be. Well, now there are different kinds of people because there are definitely people who put who, on who are. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there are people who There's, are well, adults. That's, a, that's the type. Adults who go to a place like I had. A, I don't even remember who this was, but I, I've had multiple friends who like just went on a European vacation and they come back talking differently. Oh, yeah. it's, you know, God. it's just yeah. like people who are just so they can be influenced so easily. 
I mean, or they want to sound that way. I had a friend right. who went to London yeah. for like six months and came back, and everything was like, oh, a cup of high tea. <laughs> <And> <laughs> it's like, yeah. You got to guard against that. You got to yeah. go in guarding against exactly. that. Exactly. And we just met your mom. She's she's here. She is indeed. Yeah, she's, she's, uh, she's wonderful, keeping an eye on wonderful you. person. She's <laughs> yeah. visiting, keeping an eye on you here, making sure we don't get you in any trouble here on this ear biscuit. <laughs> uh, if I if my mom was visiting and this wasn't my show, I don't know if I would bring my mom to it because um, I just think she would. When it was over, she just she tried to be nice, but she would just be like, "It's so boring." <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think my mom would care too much about coming to a podcast, but she would like. She wanted to go to the doctor's last time. Remember that? Uh, she and she, she needed to see a doctor. No, the doctor's the show. Okay, yeah. And she took. Christy and Jesse. She loved it. Yeah. She loved it, but she didn't ask to sit in on a podcast. No. But, but you I, know, like if my mom has a superpower, it's making everything seem the best version of itself. You know, like I could do oh. anything here. This could be an awful podcast that we could do, and she would still walk out with glowing reviews. That I can guarantee you. Oh, wow. You're gonna go back and brag to your friends at, at your high school reunion that you're going to next. About. She, she is absolutely going to do that, and uh, <laughs> if if we can get a link and stuff, you know, she will be sharing oh, yeah. that sharing that around the uh, that crowd. We'll <laughs> give you some business cards. You can't just push Derek's channel anymore. You gotta you gotta push. Yeah, that's right. Some some good mythical morning and some ear biscuits amongst your friends. You know, put in a good word for us. I'll try really hard to be entertaining right now, more than usual on this podcast. And we are trying to break into that demo, the demo that's currently going to their <laughs> fifty year high school reunion. That's. We heard they got a lot of purchasing power. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, she been buying you stuff? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, she's saving it up. She's gonna she's gonna buy some some of our merch. Okay, now I don't know if Link uh, Link wants to bring this up, so I feel like I can be the mediator here. Oh, um, but I, we I think were, I know what this is. Yeah, actually. Oh really? Okay. Oh there's, really? There's some beef. Yeah, there's a little bit of beef. <laughs> but did I talk about this? <laughs> you know what? You did mention it. Because I, I could tell it was on your mind. It was to you? Yeah. Because I don't remember that. I, I know, you know, I could see it in your eyes a little <laughs> bit the next time I saw you. But also, you know, I felt bad about it. We got to give them the when, backstory. When it happened, yeah. I mean. Oh, man. But. This is good. I we haven't it. talked about. I think we have. <laughs> I think I did mention something. Because there's no way Th that you would have known. There was some kind of follow up. Well, you. you you can you can tell it from well, your perspective. I I I didn't even know it happened when it happened. You told me about it later. <laughs> this is how I remember it. Yep. Uh, it was VidCon, and so VidCon's kind of crazy. Like we were, <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure we were introducing people on the main stage, and it was just like, okay, here's some. We'll introduce some people. They'll do they'll do eight minutes, five minutes. Uh -huh. And then they'll come off. We're we're emceeing the thing, and then we'll come back out. We'll crack a joke, and then introduce the next person. So we introduced you, I guess. Yeah. Then, or I got out on you, stage you, somehow. You, you were out there somehow. Yeah. I assume we introduced you. But then when you came back, when you were, when we were coming, when you were leaving, and we were coming out to stage to introduce the next act. Yep. Yeah. You punched me. <laughs> oh, 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 hey, hey, now listen. Hey, it's hey, that simple. That makes it seem so <laughs> aggressive. I mean, as I remember it. And then you kept and it, going and it, and backstage it in my, and I kept going to do my job. But it happened in my periphery and you didn't, I, didn't, I knew nothing had happened at the time but you told me later that 
he gave me kind of like a punch, like a, hey, do a good job kind of punch, but it really hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, was a, it wasn't in the face, it wasn't in the, like the chest, like right in the center of the sternum, it was, it was, it was. He frogged you. It was on the arm, mm. like That's where. That's what we called it. Did you ever call deltoid, it a frog? I, I've not called it that. That's what we I called it. I think you were North aiming Carolina. for the deltoid. Yeah. With a little, you yeah, know, li like. A little, little fist bump to the deltoid. Yeah, fist bump. It was it was a fist bump motion. That was the attempt. But <laughs> it was a little low. So it was that spot where the deltoid ends and then the next muscle starts to pick up. And it so got right to the bone. There's a lot of bone there on me. Yeah. Well, Bony. Look, you know, I'm just gonna say in my defense, I I think what happened was the adrenaline you were jacked of up. being on stage. Exactly, you know how it can happen. And it was mm. an attempt at a friendly yeah. gesture yeah, yeah, between yeah. two performers entering and exiting stage. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But I remember upon making the punch <laughs> that it felt harder than I intended. You know, you know how these things are like, whoa, And then okay. I was leaving leaving the stage and I was feeling like a jerk because I was like, now he's got to go out there and he's got a sore arm. <laughs> oh, I you, mean, did, you, did, you had feelings I, about I, it. I sensed immediately. You know, it's like one you of those things. You probably saw my eyes shudder. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. <laughs> Uh, it's, yeah, it's one of those things where you you really you don't intend it, but you know immediately that you've done it wrong. Well, so. And I, I'm sure I didn't help because I do remember having an immediate emotional reaction. Like for some reason, I just the first like illogical response was like you did it on purpose, which oh, is stupid. Okay. <laughs> and but I knew that that was th not the case. But it's a. I think it was a. I'm not gonna try to defend myself with science, but let me try to defend myself with science. Okay. Oh, you hurt me. Unintentionally, and it was well intended, it was a brotherly. Gesture. It, mm -hmm. Where I'm from, they call it a love lick. Yeah. My, my granddad used to hurt me all the time, pinch me, punch me, and it was all, <laughs> a, a, and it was a love lick, and he said, I'm giving him a love lick. Yeah. That was how he showed affection. Mm -hmm. And I, I now believe that's what you were doing. <laughs> yeah. It, or you just being friendly. Let's well, let's not make it weird. Where's the science? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He but went, you hurt me. You went to it, granddad real quick. When it hurt me, yeah. There's we're getting into therapy, not science. I need some help with that. Um, I had a physical pain response that then was like fight or flight. And for some, you know me. Sometimes I'm like, oh yeah. Even though I have no business wanting to fight anybody, like my body said fight. Wow. My body said. <laughs> that is, was that was a provocation. This is the part of the story I did not know. <laughs> I did not know that. How, how could you know? How could we anyone assume Link wanted to that fight somebody you. <laughs> is a total jerk and that would be me in that moment? Link is wanted it to was fight a me. Link wants to fight me, I'd say every 17 minutes. It was well, not. So don't no, take it personally. It was not, it was not personal, it was biological. Right. It was somebody just hurt me, I'm either gonna run or I'm gonna try to hurt them back. Mm -hmm. It was your reptilian brain. It was mm -hmm. my reptilian brain. Well, yeah. I mean, can I say I'm sorry uh, yeah. that I did I didn't mean to hurt, and I'm I'm sorry that you were hurt, and I'm also saying sorry as a Canadian, yeah, which I'm very yeah. which we, we appreciate of that at this moment. <laughs> the other thing that I would offer to you is a, an opportunity uh, for a love lick back. Oh, gosh. if that is if that is something that you desire, I Ooh. think it's warranted. It's you know it's something that I would mm. permit right can here. We, can we sell tickets to it, or do we still need to do it right now? You know, well, we're we gonna go Conor McGregor on yeah, this thing. I mean, hey man, they both made two hundred million. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if we could get a we piece do of like that. the YouTube geek off version of that. <laughs> uh, you need like I have $200. glasses and you know a lot of stuff, so that's really 
how I'm how I'm I'm, yeah. put, I'm lumping us together in in that way. Let's okay. let that be a teaser. Let's say we're not going to get out of here. We're not going to let Derek out of here until you give him a love lick back. Oh, I thought you were going to say an answer. Yeah, an answer about whether. Well, I'm 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 the fight promoter here. I'm saying it's happening. <laughs> Oh, uh, I'm not gonna set it off at a different date. I don't wanna deal with all the publicity and the so pay-per-view you, stuff. It's just total so you, headache. So you want me to not, you want me to suspend forgiveness? I mean, the dude said he was sorry this for is, something that he didn't even have to apologize this for. This isn't about forgiveness, this is about revenge. This I is think, about vengeance, man. I think this is about audience retention, let's yeah, be honest. Yeah, exactly, this is a <laughs> You're teaser. Trying to <laughs> of course, people can just skip to the end and say, I can't, hit him back? I can't do it. I can't, I can't let Derek sit over there and say sorry <laughs> and me not, me not say, I forgive you. I forgive you. Okay, I but you know that. what? I'm still gonna hit you. I'll, yeah, no. At, at the end of the show, I, I, I feel like I should apologize. No, come on. Because that's ridiculous. Now, I, I don't honestly. I didn't hold a grudge. I mean, once, once my logic kicked in, I was like, that made me mad. Right. But it would be stupid for me to think that he had. Derek had anything to do with it. Yeah, but this lo- is a conversation do- we had. Logic doesn't always kick in. But we length. did have the conversation. <laughs> you, you, you you know, got, you it's actually, an, an, when logic kicks in for length, it's like an audible noise. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a machine turning like, on. Oh, that that generator that hadn't started in a couple of years is starting up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so now that that's man. out of the way and we're gonna do something to the end with it. So what we do often on this podcast is just the two of us talk about things and we don't really know anything about anything but we like to talk like we do know things about, especially me, I can make you think I know about things. I'm glad you said that. I could have a I could have an incredible cult following of stupid people. You know, there are, there are people that can do that. I'll be a great cult starter. That's just not something you say out loud though. No, but it is true. Um, it's a little bit like, L. Ron Hubbard or something. Yeah, I would. Like, yeah, that, you could actually turn this into something. Yeah, right. I'm I'm working on my first novel right now. Okay, and I got to come up with my version of uh, Dianetics. But uh, I am the only thing standing in the way of him going over uh, some kind of edge. I won't right. even give it a label. But the exciting thing about having you here is that you actually do know stuff. I know some things. Yeah, and um, and so this is one of those those situations where instead of just us pontificating about things and then checking ourselves later, and we usually just check ourselves on Wikipedia. I mean, we don't even go to the source. Sure. Um, so we're bringing the source to Ear Biscuits. Um, now, and the cool thing about what you do is that, you know, you kind of started this career on YouTube, and now it's gotten a lot bigger than that, and now you've got people like Bill and I sending you out places uh, to be offici- an official correspondent. So this is legitimate, because some, because yeah. because here's the thing, you know this as well as we do, that when you get invited to these places and into these environments, but you're you're the number one qualifier attached to your name as YouTuber, mm. you try to feel like you have something to prove. We feel like we got something to prove as comedians when we show up in a place, but as a, how do you characterize yourself as a scientist? Yeah, you know, I'd probably just say YouTuber. These days, right? Oh, yeah, That's but what I mean. but with, with do you ever feel like you have to like kind of explore? Well, I'm doing it on YouTube, but it's like this kind of legitimate at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I maybe I've kind of given up on that. You know, when I come through <laughs> customs and stuff, and they'll ask me what I do, and I make videos on YouTube, and you know, they actually look at my visa and the, you know, my, the technical term for my visa because I'm not American. The technical term is alien of extraordinary ability. Oh gosh, that's yeah. incredible, right? Because we won't let you in here unless you can do something that no one here can. 
Exactly. Or something. There's some sort of rationale. And so when I say to them at the border, you know, I say I'm a YouTuber, and they look at the visa, and they're like, what? Extraordinary ability? Like, what What, what can you do? Let's you see know? it. And then, then I, well, then I have to say, like, I'm on Netflix, too. And as soon as I say that, <laughs> yeah. then That's it's legitimate, fine. right? So, oh, yeah, like, right. I, I understand. I'm like, on Netflix, too. De- depending on who I'm talking to, it, it, it doesn't say alien of extraordinary ability, but it says E11. Now, when which I is, Which is the category. Is. I'm, yeah. When, now, when I said, let's see it, I was I was uh, role-playing as the guy at the oh, gate, okay. but I am glad you're showing this to me. Because that's what I show the guy at the gate. E11. Yeah. Extraordinary. Alien of extraordinary ability. That's probably trademarked in some way. Somebody would want to make a movie about that. That's a yeah. good-looking photo. It could be a lot worse. Yeah, it definitely could. <laughs> it could be a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so. So, yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from. When you mention Netflix, they let you right in. Right. That's right. As soon as I say, like, I'm on a show with Bill Nye on Netflix, people yeah. are like, oh, yeah, he's, he's for yeah, real. Yeah. I feel it, man. I know. Yeah. Yeah, but I you said you've given up, but. Congrats on the streaming win, by the way. Thank you. You could Thank also you. say that. I want to stream. I don't know what yeah. that was. If, I, if I said I want to stream it, they'd still be like, man, that sounds made up. E11, extraordinary yeah. streamy winner. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. As long as I keep winning streamies, I'm not going to dog it. Though. No, yeah, I'm not going to dog it. I'm going to let John Cozart do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I we talk a lot about um, self-driving cars. Yeah. You know, we're in the middle of we're in the middle of the transition. Yep. But I think the question I, I would say the beginning of the transition really. The but, beginning of the transition. Yeah. Okay, see, I'm already I've already been correct. It's all good. But when it, like when can we just not think anymore about getting from point A to point B? When is that gonna happen? I think it's gonna be a while, but I'm gonna say, you know, five years you could probably make it happen. You know? That's that's my horizon for that's yeah. That's quick. It's it's soon. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to be widespread adoption at that time, but that'll be, you know, you, your friend has one or, you know, like, it, you know, that's when it's really coming in. And right. then 10 years, you know, you see more widespread adoption. But I think it's going to, you know, five years is a, a good time horizon for that. And it will be a Tesla. Or that's, by that point. Do you guys drive Teslas? No, uh, I no. wish. I do drive a Tesla. I drove one here today and it drove itself most of the way here because I was just on the one on one. So, right. so at what point, I've actually never, let's see, I've Joe never, Penna had a, a Tesla. Re, a really early one, he yeah. Did. He had an early one, and I rode it, I got in it, but then I didn't, I didn't even move it. <laughs> I don't, he had to be somewhere. I, I was like, just let me get it. in it. I've been inside a Tesla. So hang on, you guys have not ridden in a Tesla? No, no I have not never? been. Never? I have not been in a Tesla. But now John, who works here. Has one. Yeah. Has one, so we've got one in the parking lot that we could yeah. probably take whenever we wanted. I, I mean, don't understand why boss. you guys haven't done this yet. You're sitting around talking about self-driving cars. I know, and you haven't even sat in one. Well, I'm I got scared. I got a car that will park itself, and I don't want to now get in a Tesla and realize how stupid I am for getting excited about <laughs> just being able. It'll parallel park itself. Yeah, well, I mean that's a useful feature, but it it's is. much more useful to just drive for like half an hour on an open road. So can we, let's take the trip here as an example of how much of the time, when when could you go into autopilot, so to speak? Well, you can go in whenever you like, but uh, at the moment, the Tesla does not recognize stop signs or um, traffic lights, so you gotta look out for those things if you're gonna drive in that kind of situation. So the best place is a highway, because okay. you can just pop it in there and you can go for you know an hour or more. 
Uh, you do have to keep sort of touching the steering wheel to let it know that you're still there. I think that's some legal, Awake. legal requirement. Or, okay, yeah. so it will, after a certain period of time, it will start trying to wake It flashes you up at you. Out. Yeah, and that, that time seems to depend on your speed. So if you're on a highway and you're crawling through traffic at like 20 miles an hour, you seem to be able to go, you know, five, ten minutes without it hmm. alerting you. But if you're going super fast, you know, 65, 70, it'll, it'll ask you probably every minute or so. But it's still, so when you, but when you get off on the surface streets, Yep. It knows that it's on a surface street and it doesn't even let you engage. No, no, you can do it. But you can totally engage on a surface street. And would it go through a stop sign if yep. you let it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If the, I mean it, <laughs> it'll just go up to the car in front of you basically. And so see, but that's it'll be it, it it's informed by all of the other cars. So basically, it's just it's a follower car. More or less. So it's it's but, not. But what if there's no car in front of you? Then it's not going to stop for any stop sign. It's not going to stop for any red light. But as long as there's a car in front of you, that car stops at the stop sign. You'll kind of stop behind it too, and you'll do like a kind of a rolling. Is there an orientation to this? Like, no, it's totally just like good luck, man. <laughs> Here <laughs> because, it is. Because I I don't I mean, all I knew is that everybody that I know who has one just just does that on the highway. But I didn't know it was because it didn't work. On the surface streets, I just thought it, was, it wasn't capable of doing it on the surface streets. Yeah, I mean, which, no, it'll it'll do it. It just you'll run into more potential hazards for sure. Oh man! But you but you can't program in a destination and it make any turns for you. So, the one that's commercially available right now doesn't do that. But Tesla has released a video showing their next generation model uh, doing exactly that. You basically putting in your destination, mm -hmm. and it just gets you there. Yeah, that's the time that I want. That includes stop signs. That includes red lights, and they have the ability to do it today. But it's not been released yet. It's not been, uh, I think, legally permitted yet. But I think you know the the technology is there today. It's probably still a little rough, but it's there. Yeah, the thing I don't understand is the, you know, obviously there's the 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 resistance to it, and people who just don't trust it, which. I just, I cannot, I appreciate it, but it it really frustrates me when people are like, I don't trust it. And it's like, but you trust humans? You trust people to drive cars? A million people die every year in car I, crashes? I, I think that our consciousness, I mean, tricks, I mean, I think a big thing about consciousness is that it it tricks yourself into trusting yourself. Like, even something like I know, like this is what I believe. It's like okay, I, I heard you, you you heard that analogy too, where it's like okay, what do you believe about about um, like if something scares you, and then you like jump in the uh, I'm 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 blistering this analogy, but like yeah. you you, you no, jump I'm not with you yet. You jump in the bed and you pull over the covers, and you would never say you believe that uh, a comforter is going to protect you from danger. Yet it's revealed in that moment what you actually believe. I think that applies to cars as well. That we part of consciousness is believing that the most trustworthy person is yourself. But you're saying that's not true when it comes to driving. But I do want to have a comforter in my car. That's the whole point. I want to be able to take a freaking nap. I want to go to bed in my car and let but it so drive you, me. But so you don't trust yourself to drive, and you, you're making the active decision to not trust yourself oh. to trust the machine. Oh, I I feel like you're framing this in a way that I don't necessarily frame it, which is, uh, I find driving just a less stressful experience when I let the car drive, and that's not because I don't trust myself. It's because like 
I can not really focus on driving as much. Yeah, well, every time, I mean, you can just just relax a bit. You don't have to push the pedal, do anything. You know, it's just like, it's just going, especially if you get stuck in traffic. I mean, it just, so so you're, you're, it's a a real stressor. For the, for the stressful yet kind of mind numbing experience of freeway driving, bumper to bumper stuff, you're, you're going to, you're gonna let the machine take over. Exactly. But when it gets complicated, you're gonna grab the wheel. For now, that is absolutely true. But at a certain point, there's gonna be a threshold. What's the threshold look and feel like if you're saying five years from now, like, I think five years change? from now, it's gonna be happening because like I say, they so have- how do we get there? They have, the, they have the cars built today. Yeah, the technology it. exists. It's just a matter of fine tuning it and the software and then getting the legal approval for it. I think the big blockage is that we like a story where it's like, oh, this guy was drunk and he hit someone. It's obviously his fault. He caused these deaths. We can point to someone. We can say someone's wrong and evil. But if there's a uh, an autonomous car, and this has happened, right? The guy who got killed uh, yeah. driving a Tesla. Mm-hmm. And you know, who do you blame in that in that situation? And I think we have a real problem with that. If mm-hmm. self-driving cars start killing people, well, who are you going to be upset with? Who's who's at fault there? Yeah, there's just a, uh, you know, whatever the equation is, it's like how many, uh, you know, car cause deaths equal a human cause death. It's like there's we have some weird scale yeah. that we're willing to put up with all these people being killed by, you know, themselves in cars. Well, the interesting thing about that, and and the guy who died was, dr- was behind the wheel of the Tesla, yep. right? Yep. Um, but, and, and the thing I remember about that is I don't remember the details of what happened, but I remember that Elon Musk published the details in in a super seemingly transparent way that was mind-blowing to me in terms of, hey, this is the actual data. This is actually what's ha- what was happening and what the car was saying. And the level of transparency there that he seemed to be putting forward I think is what's gonna get us over the threshold because it's not it's not spin. Like there was nothing about the statement that came out from Tesla afterward that felt like the spin zone or oh we got we, we gotta we gotta protect we gotta protect our money bags kind of a thing. Mm. Do you remember do you remember I do, that? I do. I didn't dig too much into the details, but I I seem to recall a stat like, you know, they can look at the miles driven with the autonomous feature engaged yeah. and compare that to the same number of miles driven by people and they find that you know it's uh, 40% safer 40% fewer accidents or whatever per mile for for those driven by the the machine so the machine is better i mean it's it's more vigilant with you know analyzing what's around it and people are on their phones all the time now i was driving behind a guy today who was just like swerving all over the place cuz he was on his phone and probably shaving and reading too exactly. i mean i've literally seen that in traffic, you know, t- to me, it's like whenever you started using um, PayPal. Remember that first feeling of like, whoa, 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 whoa! I'm gonna connect this bank internet account. site yeah. to my physical bank account. Like I can see like greenbacks just getting s- disappearing through this thing called PayPal. It's just, it's even a stupid name. Why would I trust this thing? <laughs> this guy's you not know, my pal. I just bought something right. from him. But then you you get over it, and then you're like, when did I not have PayPal or Venmo or whatever it is these days to pay the babysitters? You know, yeah. You're saying it'll be the same way, and you say it'll be five years. Five years. That's what I'm At saying. At some point before the five years, you'll just you'll find you won't even realize that you made a decision. 
you'll just get in a car and you'll be like, oh, I didn't, I didn't touch it. And then you'll think back and you'll be like, oh yeah, there was a guy who worked with me who had a cool car and I got in it and it was fun. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll tell it, was fun we'll and it tell cool. our grandkids about the way we thought about driving and it will blow their minds. They just won't have any, they just won't be able to comprehend that it was ever a thing, you know, that we did, that we approach things in this way. You put, you put those wing doors on it mm -hmm. and people wanna buy That's it. not gonna happen. Okay, so. It's already got the wing doors, uh, the Tesla. Th that's a fad, that's a fad, man. Got, oh, that's going the away? Wing, the wing doors are great. You think that's a, a staple of I, the future? I don't think it's a staple, but I do love it. <laughs> Yours has that? It's, yeah, we got well, the wing doors. And it's really helpful for the baby, for the baby seat, you know. Uh-huh, oh, okay, yeah. okay, maybe I'm wrong. Now, okay, so you're kind of getting into something as well, though, that as we uh, transition, you know, when, when all cars are autonomous, uh, with the exception of like, you know, okay, I've got this really weird thing I have to, even, well, even beyond that, when it's completely autonomous, so you know they're all talking to each other. You know I can't wait for the day when uh, a, a light turns green and the entire mass moves together at the same time because there's yeah. no reaction because they're all talking together in the same network. Mm -hmm. Like that's going to be like second nature, right? But that kind of moves into this other subject that we want to talk to you about, which is your your perspective on AI. And you know it's it, all these things kind of merging. You you've got okay, all the cars are autonomous. All the banking is. I mean, even even banking and financial management ultimately can be and should be and is in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, controlled by artificial intelligence. So, what are we really up against? Like, where where do you stand? Are you on the the Neil deGrasse Tyson side, which is like this is no big deal. We'll just unplug the machine. Mm. Are you on the Elon Musk, Sam Harris side? They're like so worried about it that like this is the greatest problem along with climate change that we face as a, as a species. I feel like I'm more on the Neil deGrasse Tyson side, oh. but that could just be because you know both he and I are scientists and maybe we're not fully immersed in where AI is right now. But I find it hard to believe that. Uh, no, I gotta, I gotta choose my words carefully here because like someone's gonna be playing this tape back for me after the AI apocalypse of like 2030. You're assuming that you'll be alive. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. I'm hoping that as I made, long, it, made it through. In the as long bunker. as you're there for, to hear it when they play It'll it back. It'll be a robot <laughs> playing it back. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Listen they to torture this. me. <laughs> Here's what you said. <laughs> And their yeah. voice would sound like that. You know, there's a there's a whole bunch of things, obviously not AI, but that we keep contained, like you know, very dangerous diseases and True. things, and we put them in you know quarantined environments because we don't want them getting out. And I feel like you should be able to do the same thing with an AI. And didn't didn't Facebook have an AI that came up with its own language and they just they shut it down? Well, because they, 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 they like, well they started. Um, I don't know if this is the same thing, but they. The, the two there was two machines that were communicating with each other and they quickly realized oh, that yeah. english that language human language was really inefficient and they started just communicating to each other directly with bits mm -hmm. you know just straight digital communication <laughs> That's and, not it, good. And, it, and at that point it's like what are they saying <laughs> the the scientists could no longer figure out what they were saying it, that is, but but it all it be, it's so crazy because you know it's soon pull the plug. This is why I. But the reason I'm scared because I, I I mean I don't. Are you more on the Elon Musk side? You think? I am just because I tend to. He's a hypochondriac. Yeah, a <laughs> but I I mean I'm super excited about the future. Like I I I embrace a lot of things probably with less apprehension than I than I than I should have. But I uh, yeah I think that because they're gonna be that the moment that they have true 
you know, general artificial intelligence. And we can't tell the difference between, you know, a conversation with a human and a robot. They're already gonna be so much more advanced than us just because of processing and all that stuff that they already have. And at that point, I just feel like they could, all the, the barriers that you're talking about, like keep, keeping things contained, it's mm -hmm. like the moment they just decide, well, we don't wanna be contained. They they will but be. But what are they what are they connected to? Or do they have arms and legs? Have we given them that? Or well, they're going to be. I mean, they're going to have to be connected to the internet. The internet. See, that's a terrible idea. You don't, but how? You don't, but how are I they mean, not going to be? There's some guy working in his lab on AI. You know, I think that's the rule. It's like when you go to these places that have have really harmful diseases, you have like three airlocks and stuff. You don't connect them to the atmosphere because mm -hmm. if they could get out, they would, and that would be awful. In the same way, you you keep your AI really locked up. It's. I mean, I don't know how we're gonna do it though, because at the point that you've got again, I don't. Yeah, it, I don't think it's gonna be well Westworld situation where you've got you know robots walking around that, I mean, what we will have, but that will be just for us, right? It, it won't, it'll be for our entertainment or whatever, but the most powerful robots won't won't be contained in the same way. But they're gonna have to have, All it in order to be useful, they're gonna have to be connected to a network that we're using. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I feel like you wanna be careful about the ones you connect to your network. <laughs> Yeah. This, this could be the like key plot point of of the movie of how right. this all goes wrong. Where someone's the one like, guy, the yeah. mad scientist. Yeah, what's he mad about? The yeah. one guy who lets the virus out of the lab. And this isn't like a virus, though. You know, it is, but it's way worse. I still wonder. You know, a server is not going to come after you. You know what I mean? You know, like a giant lumbering server is that going to be <laughs> the evil villain here? But I guess you know to look at what could go wrong if everything's connected to the internet and all your you know stuff in the hospitals and all the the autonomous cars and they get control of those. Yeah, it could be it could be pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> but who knows? We don't. I mean, it's gonna we're gonna be it's gonna happen. Uh, we're gonna be in the midst of it, and we're and the thing is is that you know. Politicians, who, the guys who are making the decisions about this stuff, just totally don't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. Like you've got a few politicians who mm -hmm. go like the extra mile to kind of get briefed by some like research assistant, right? But how many people who like hold governmental office actually know the the potential threats, right? It's like, in it's not many, that's for sure. Do you guys ever think about the the mass unemployment that may come with yeah. with the robots. Well, it, it, I, I feel like that's a clearly more pressing, right. or it's a more imminent issue. It's already happening. Yeah, it's happening. And I feel like that you're going to deal with first before you're going to deal with killer AI. Yeah. Hmm. So let's we got a, we got a serious we got a set of waves coming at us. Let's talk about that. I mean, it's interesting. Um, in Buddy System season two, we kind of explore. I don't give. I don't want to give too much away. Well, but it's we, the first scene. I mean, the first scene of the whole season is you losing your job. To a robot. To a robot. Yeah. Now, um, it is a comically ridiculous robot who's no more capable than a human. <laughs> but that's the it's, joke. But it, it's all, I mean, we're, we're not exploring what we should talk about right now, which is what you're getting at. Um, but it is the kind of job that we will replace. And I mean, the number one most common job in the US is truck driver. And Tesla is building a truck. That obviously is going to be autonomous at some point. So, I wonder what if are it's going to have gonna 
and at first there'll be somebody sitting there, just just in case. Yeah, they'll work. Mm -hmm. You know, the laws will require it. Yeah, right. Yep. And he's just gonna, like you said, he's gonna have to touch that big steering wheel on the big rig every so often. He's just a, he's a wheel toucher. That's what he will be called on <laughs> Monster.com. We need to, we we need some wheel touchers. <laughs> they're not drivers. They're truck wheel touchers. And then but how long? Like, how long is that going to last? After a while, three years. Yeah, they, not they'll even. be gone. Yeah, they they'll be gone. But before they're gone, I think that they'll be, um, just seat sitters. And then they will replace the seat sitters with basically like a CPR dummy. It someone who from the outside that is never gonna happen. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> no, no. You no, got no. this big rig barreling down the road. You don't. You want to look and see nobody in the cab. <laughs> you want to see what you, you think, think they're is gonna somebody. have a mannequin in there. You're gonna. They're gonna have a freaking mannequin in there with a how about with just a, a trucker hat. How about just a sticker on the outside of the window that just shows the silhouette of a of a person. Well, that's not as I mean, that's believable. A lot cheaper. <laughs> That'll be next. Yeah, you're skipping ahead. A decal. Can we just go? I want to go. I'm straight to the decal kind of guy. Let's can just I, do a truck the, driver decal. Can I be the decal? Oh, it could be your profile, sure, I don't care. I'm not making the decisions. I do think that, I mean, really, I mean, so much of this is public perception and comfort level. But what are those guys gonna do? If you can do? make things cool, if you can make. But, but I, I, that, yeah, the real that question is. That is the bigger question. What, 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 are, what are we gonna do as but a population? As long as we can agree that there will be dummies in seats in order to make everybody else feel okay, well, isn't one then we can move I on. I feel like that's more frightening. Like you're driving up next to a truck and you look over and you're like, wait, hang on, that's not a real person, that's a dummy. Well, it depends on your, <laughs> your definition of beauty. Is that what we're talking about <laughs> now? Yeah, oh gosh. What makes a dummy beautiful? No, we're not talking about <laughs> we're that. We're not talking about <laughs> I that. I don't think that's it. <laughs> so, so do you think that, because I, mean, I know some people think that, you know, they'll just be the decal guy. They'll be the guy who places the mannequin in the truck. There's always something for people to do. But the, the new got, job. You gotta run yeah. out of that eventually, right? Yeah. So I mean, something that I was really interested to see looking back at the history of work is that the uh, number of hours that we work has dropped a lot. So if you look in 1830, the average number of hours that someone would work would be 70 hours per week. Really? Yeah. And you look today and it's down to 40. And you know, in 20 years, we may be down to 20 hours. Or something, you know. Mm -hmm. we, we may continue to see that decline. So maybe even if the you know number of jobs doesn't decrease that much, the amount of work per job may drop, and we may just be making more and or spending less because all the work's being done by robots, which are much cheaper than humans. Mm -hmm. So I mean, that's the hopeful utopian future: is that we could all decrease our work hours down close to zero and yet still survive and have you know wonderful lives because all the things that we want to buy are really cheap and so we don't have to do that much work to get the right. money to pay for those things. But what are we, like, hmm. so what are, I mean, there's, what are the threats to that utopia, right? You got the overpopulation problem, right? Yeah. Eventually you, you, you've got, if you got so many people, like I, I, to, I, to I me, feel like the financial problem can be solved. Like the, the, the people not producing, it's like, well, the robots are producing, I, I but like, what about this being that that many people, limited amount of resources, and all we do is just hang out and have a good time? Yeah. Well, to me, one of the big threats is that we sort of segment our society further into people who have and the, the have-nots. You know? Yeah. There, there are gonna be people who are making a killing off this, uh, and there's gonna be people who just are out of work and can't make any money. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think without like a big rethink of how society functions, we may be in a, a really tricky situation. Mm -hmm. What do you think about universal basic income? 
I think it's interesting, and I think it's probably the way of the future. How does that work? Well, you just give everyone some money. Yeah, there's a minimum amount that every single citizen receives automatically. From from, from what gov- organization? From the government. From what government? The world government? Well, well you know, no, whatever government that you're Every Every nation, we assume the nations to, still exist. And they would have to buy into this. Well, I mean, the nations would, in theory, do it because it would be better or easier than setting up a whole bunch of other welfare systems. Yeah. And, you know. It, it's be- And it's being experimented with somewhere. Finland, they've currently got a trial with 2,000 unemployed people where they just picked 2,000 unemployed people at random and they said, we're going to give you like 500 euros a month. Yeah. But yeah, it seems absolutely inevitable with all the, with the trends that we're talking it's about. It's funny because you, you say it seems inevitable and I kind of think it's a good idea, but I was in Switzerland uh, last year and they actually had a ballot about it. So this is one of those things where, you know, if you get enough signatures, they'll have a public referendum about universal basic income. Mm-hmm. And they did this in Switzerland and they voted it down, I think, 75-25. Oh, yes. Yeah. So it was pretty, pretty harshly against. And I was talking to this guy at a university who's a smart guy, you know, professor. And he was like, this is the most idiotic thing ever. And, you know, to him, it was obvious that this was never going to happen. And, of course, the great concern with uh, universal basic income is that nobody works anymore because they can just get income and live off that and so why would you ever yeah work? and that, so the idea of disincentivizing any work right and, well, and that's why i think it's that's society. why i think it's inevitable because i think it's just it's getting it mixed up it's saying that um well we can't institute universal basic income because then people will no longer work well what i'm saying is that people are going to no longer work in the near future because of the advance of you know automation mm. and so you got to have an answer to that and it can't just be like well these people won't work it's like, i mean i don't <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I was looking into this actually. I, I made a, a recent video about uh, robots taking our jobs and I was looking at the percentage of males between the ages of 25 and 54 who don't have a job. And if you look back in the 1960s, it's about five or 6%. You know, This is prime working age males. So like, what are they doing if they're not working? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you look more recently and that's up towards 18 to 20%. So we're looking at a tripling of males in their prime working age who, who just don't have a job mm. uh and some of that may be due to globalization outsourcing uh, but uh as another part of that is automation mm. so, and and i can only see that going up so you know you got to do something well let's just let, let's say that utopia is going to come we're gonna we're gonna solve all our problems with technology and we're gonna find a way to quit e- exploiting all the resources we're gonna solve climate change let's just say all that happens and our grandkids are sitting there, they've got some sort of stipend, uh, everything, all their needs are taken care of. At that point, what is life like, right? Because don't, I mean, I think we can definitely say that we we find purpose in our work, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that you do what you do because you find purpose in it. I, so, I wonder- it Substituting other things? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone could, they could just have hobbies instead of work. I'm gonna do the little air, the little airplanes, like making balsa, little airplanes. You, you, no, you're, you're on that side of town. You you know the guys over at uh, where are they at? Uh, Across in the Japanese Garden. Yeah, over there in Balboa, the Balboa uh, Lake area. The guys with the with remote the control remote control planes. airplanes. I have so, not seen this. There's a whole airport dedicated to uh, 
you know, miniature planes. Those guys are so serious. I hang to, on, hang on. A whole airport? They like have. A, is it a miniature airport? A miniature? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's a miniature I'm, airport. It's just a slab, <laughs> really. <laughs> but they're so into it, and they go out there every weekend. There's you no go, terminals. Man. You have. It looks more like baseball dugouts. Okay. Because they sometimes they need to stand in the shade in order to glare up. But like here's the weird up thing: at the sun and like pilot their their planes. But I mean, even if you lay down guys, on off. If you lay down on your belly and spread your arms out, if you got spread eagle on the floor, mm -hmm. they have planes that big. Planes that big. Oh yeah, it's a pretty big plane. And, and, and the ironic power, thing: these are like gas powered. Uh, some yeah. some of them are. Yeah. Some of them are are, are electric. Hmm. And but here's the thing: I think they're all powered by passion for the hobby. We, we can't <laughs> just go out and do that because then all of a sudden a guy's gonna show up and he's like, I've got an automatic plane, I've got an autonomous plane. And yeah, then but, now it's just well, a bunch of but, dudes but, watching uh, autonomous uh, planes. No. It, it, we can't what? even have a hobby, we're gonna watch planes uh. make their own decisions and that's our hobby? All we can do is put decals on them. See, it just it just comes back to decals. Why is that plane shooting down all the other planes? <laughs> I don't Let's know. find the owner. I have no Some robot in the it. corner. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so this is your your idea of a utopia. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're exploring it, you know. Yeah, if you're saying yeah. everyone does hobbies, I wonder if people get caught up in gossip. If that just if oh, that certainly. just explodes, mm -hmm. yeah. And then a number of gossip mags out on the market. It's just you know, it's everywhere. Whole stores dedicated to it. I guess not stores. You just get yeah. It delivered. Nope, you're right. Yeah. Stores. I think they'll. <laughs> I think it'll be a retro thing where it's like, it. You know, it's. A whole store that replicates the experience of of exiting a grocery store, you know that all of that impulse buy crap. It's yep. this is a good idea. This is my business. No robot's going to come up with this in the future. A store that's nothing but the last little bit of grocery aisle before you check out the checkout <laughs> the checkout rack checkout area. Yeah, yeah. checkout area everywhere area is what I'm going to call <laughs> okay, it. Okay, that's catchy. And then you, when you come in, you check out. When you get in, you check out again. You just keep checking out because it's like, oh man, I gotta make a decision. I can grab one more thing, and then it starts over. Yeah. And then you just you got all those little dividers, and you could be. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, you're different. Okay. Yeah, you, those you, wanna, you love you the dividers. This. this is a great business idea. <laughs> Let's check out but, area, but it's everywhere. Retro yeah. Because you're right. It yeah. would all be digital. It'd all be in your brain. But there's no aisles. There's no area to actually buy. Right. Like the useful staples of life. Right. right. There's only the checkout area. I'm some basically describing some... a dollar store. I think. But <laughs> yeah, let's just, not. You Let's gloss over. You that. recreated a dollar store. A lot more conveyor belts. Is, um, what, is what we're saying. Now, I think one of the interesting things that is is probably also gonna happen with this is, and this is what, I kind of I kind of uh, foreshadowed this in the past, so I was gonna, uh, and how I thought about uh, AI and how it, you know, I don't know how I, how I set it up, but basically, I think that, you know, we've got all these issues that are controversial, people can't agree on things, and then we've got this faulty government model that we rely on with the, uh, a questionable dude in charge of the whole thing, and wouldn't you just like to say, okay, I want to ask this robot that is completely familiar with all the data, like what do you think about this issue? And then they would just spit it out and, they, and it would be like, oh, we can't argue with that robot because that robot has access to all the information at once and is, is perfectly rational and has no bias at all, uh, except the bias that makes its way in from the programmers, which, okay. <laughs> but, well, I think that's, I think you're describing a scientist. 
uh, in, a, in its purest well, form. But you know, but scientists are people, and so you right. have that inherent distrust of people. But I think you know, since scientists make the machine. I don't know if there's any way to keep their biases out of the machine, and, and therein, right. therein lies your problem, which it is, is like a, it is a problem. But can't we? Ha can it be a more perfect uh, rationality than we can ever achieve? Right. What I'm getting at is, aren't we going to have an AI government at some point? I mean, isn't it, or at least a government that is assisted by AI? So, in other words, it would probably be. Uh, you know how quick governments are to adopt technology. <laughs> they're, they're always no, the early this, adopters. This is right. distant future. So, you, so you've, you've got like. Uh, it's, it's gotten, uh, I think your point is to move, it's like for the financial system thing, well, if you is did, that it, things have to get really bad for entire governments to agree to do something. We're well, talking just, about the Switzerland well, vote. Think, just think about the way that the government works right now. Think about the way that people get elected and like campaigning and like influencing people's thoughts. People who the vast majority don't ever think about um, things on a uh, on a deep level, they just go out and vote for somebody who has an ad that the that appeals to them in some way or some ideology that they identify with, and that person gets put in this position. They don't know about this issue and that issue, and then they just start listening to people who don't know about that issue, tell them what they're supposed to think about that issue, and it's all these very very flawed humans making all these decisions. Like that system, in in when you've got an, an intelligence that is ultimately. Um, a more capable intelligence that is growing, at some point you're gonna have to tap into that for the sake of humanity, I, right? I mean, I, I'm i not into Star Trek enough to know more than saying, you're talking about Spock. I mean, let's figure out, Spock was like utterly logical. Spock for president. So what do we learn, yeah, what do we learn from Spock? Sometimes, Spock? sometimes his logic wasn't enough. That's what we learn. Mm. Star Trek. Because Spock didn't write. That's why you have the, pan, own the panel of people who are keeping the AI government in check. It's not, I'm not saying it's completely Touching the steering autonomous, wheel. Yeah. But then they're like, "Hold on, okay, we we need to know what to think about this. Let's throw it. Let's throw the problem into the machine. See what the machine says, and then this panel of wise people decides what to do. So it's not completely led by the AI, but you got to be consulting it. So right? it, you're saying it's not the president. It's like the cabinet, and I mean literally a cabinet, like the president's. The president's chief advisor is AI. Is a cabinet. A literal cabinet? Yeah. yeah. With a server in it. Yeah, it's like <laughs> throw it in the top of the cabinet and then it'll spit something out of the bottom, an answer out of the bottom right. of the cabinet. Yeah. It, it sounds like a cool idea. Uh, I always just fear about that whole you know garbage in, garbage out kind of problem of technology mm -hmm. where if you don't phrase the question right or you don't give it the right data, you, you're not gonna get the right thing out at the end. So right. it's still kind of troubling. And I, I'm also- This morning, m my my son Lando, who's seven, was like, okay, Google, play the Slinky song because he was playing with a really big Slinky. Mm. And it started playing a really inappropriate R&B track mm. by slinky, some guy named- song. By Slinky or something. And mm -hmm. I was like, whoa, Google. Whoa, Google. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to rein her in. I also She'll wonder, you know, when do home. we when do we get an artificial intelligence that is, you know, truly deserving of that name? Like to me, artificial intelligence always meant something that was a computer that that had its own consciousness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
But I don't know that we're close to that. And I also don't know that anyone can can time that out for you. Like, oh, we're not there yet, but give us five years, we'll, we'll be there, or 10 years. It right. could be 100 years. It could be 1,000 years because we don't know how the human brain works mm. yet. Um, I think it's really tough to make something that replicates those capabilities. Right. We actually don't know how we're going to cross that threshold. Right? And we've, But we've always been obsessed with it. I mean, Frankenstein wasn't, wasn't written a few years ago. No. I don't know when it was written. <laughs> don't ask me, but I know it's old. You know, it's as as long as we've been conscious, we've been obsessed with creating consciousness. So, I think if we're just driven, Do you think we're, we're bound to figure it out. You think we're going to get there? Just based on that principle alone, like just drive. What if it's impossible? What if what if it's impossible to replicate in a machine, you know, that the is a spiritual that question. Biologically. That is a spiritual question. Um, so mm. I have no clue. My, it's my, a fair. It's a very fair question. My feeling on this, and this is just going with my gut, which could be totally wrong, right? Because it's yeah, not not a thinking organ. But um, <laughs> but really, that, I just don't feel like we're gonna get there, and certainly not soon. But I, I definitely don't think it's gonna be soon. Mm. So I don't think it's gonna be like twenty forty five or something. You know, the uh, singularity, right? But I don't know. I just feel like um, it's. I I think that I don't think it's going to be like somebody's going to walk out one day and be like, "I got it. I got this. This here it is. Talk to it. Here I he think, is, Frankie." I think we're gonna. It's going to get so close, and we're gonna we're gonna have converse, intelligent conversations with machines, and then after a while, we're going to be like, "Well, we've kind of given this machine all we can." Give it, and I kind of think that it's conscious now. But well, it's, it's at the same time we're going to be. I mean, we keep trying to find where consciousness exists, right? In us, like where's the self inside a, a brain? And we have no idea. We have no idea. So I don't know. I I, I agree with you that I don't think that it's. I, I don't think it's going to happen in our lifetime. I, re, I I really don't. I think I think things will get unrecognizable in our lifetime. Technology-wise, but I don't think it's gonna. I, we're not gonna have uh, you know AI president. Well, let me ask you, what are you most excited about the future, and it can be the distant future. And what are you most concerned about? Maybe that's climate change. Maybe that's something else. Well, uh, tough questions because I mean I don't often think about the distant future, but I do like the idea of of humans becoming a multi. Planetary species. Oh, let's save the good. Start with the bad, because I want to oh, end with okay. the good. Great. Oh, yeah. So we'll start, come back to that one. Bad. Um, yeah, it's tough to pick. Uh, what's your biggest concern? I, I'm not a big warrior, so I, I don't have a lot of concerns. What, what about you guys? You, got, you, got, you, you, you pack quite a punch, though. Well, <laughs> see, it, it doesn't come from a place of hate. You tend, okay? to, tend to be violent to so, un, under some circumstances. It, it only comes from a place of love. Maybe I haven't fully forgiven you. I don't know why that came it out. It did. It, it does seem like it right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can feel the tension across this table. Uh, no. Yeah. What are the What are the biggest biggest problems? Being a guy like you are, and and being an expert in the things that you are in this particular, like in America, right? Like we have this really weird sort of dichotomy of like being super advanced and like world leader, but then we also have like there's so much resistance to scientific thinking and also a lot of resistance to just scientists in general and, and a lot of distrust. You know, like where we come from, North Carolina, it's just like 
scientists are suspects and mm. scientists have agendas and scientists are trying to get grants and so that's the only reason they're talking about climate change or this right. or that, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a diverse country. You can you can say that. Um, I I also saw this study which looked at opinions of scientists in countries around the world, and there was a clear negative correlation between GDP, you know, how developed a country was, and its perception of scientists. So countries that are still developing, uh, they love scientists and have this this idea that they are solving problems and really helping everyone live better lives. And in countries where you know they're already very developed, everyone's quite skeptical of scientists. So I think it's interesting that sort of the more benefits science gives you, the more you don't like it or trust it or hmm. you know think it's a great thing. It's it's yeah. kind of unfortunate. I consider this sometimes like the curse of prevention. Hmm. This applies to things like vaccines where people f don't know what the disease is like and hmm. so they freak out about, you know, a shot. Um because right. they can't even see like what am I preventing? Right. Right. Um so yeah, that is the the curse of of prevention doing all this um good stuff. I think, you know, everyone has biases and they really uh cloud your judgment. And so when you talk about, you know, people distrusting scientists, it comes from a place I think of, you know, not being wanting you know, not wanting to be told what to do mm. and uh, being told that what you do is wrong and hurting the planet and that you have to change and it's going to be painful and expensive and hard. And, you know, for for something that seems very um, intangible and deep in the future and invisible. Um, so I can really understand where this is like a Rorschach test where, yeah. you know, even the people on the pro uh, you know, we need to do something about climate change side can maybe be somewhat detached from the evidence uh, and people on the anti side are also detached from the evidence and they just battle in the middle over, uh, you know, some sort of ideological or, you know, virtue sig signaling ground or identity politics, all that sort of stuff. So it, mm. everything gets really, really awful. I think. Well, and and, we, and it seems like, and it's interesting because, you know, Bill Nye is really, he, he tends to Insert himself into these into these things for sure, um, and um, it doesn't really matter what issue it is. Um, he is doing a lot of great things, but at the same time, there's this when he says, "Okay, I'll go and I'll debate this guy," or "I'll go on this this network and it'll be me and then this other guy," and it creates this false perception that this is a real there's a real debate to be had here. And I'm not saying there's not a debate to be had about issues, but sometimes when you just reduce it down to two pundits, you know, and these and these you know, what do you call it? The the, when the news bit, what do you call the thing? Um, talking heads. Talking heads, but like you got a, a news bite or whatever, like a sound bite. Sound bite. Yeah, reduce things down to sound bites. It it paints the uh the issue wrong for a lot of people and mm -hmm. and, and gives you this idea that you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I agree with you. I just don't know who's, you know, what other alternative you yeah, have What do there. you do? It's it's like you have no option because either Bill goes on that show and actually debates some guy or that guy just pontificates by himself. That's and, true. And, and gives the same sort of bad talking points. Um, Yeah, it's a really tough one. Because the networks are gonna still do, I mean, they're gonna do that. That's how they're going to dispense the information. Yeah. This kind of makes me think of something. Uh, a little bit of a tangent, but the people on the, you know, 
pro climate change side. I don't know pro climate change. The, the you know the people who who think this is an issue and they want to do something about it. Sometimes climate change acknowledgers. Yeah, acknowledgers. They will sometimes write inflammatory rhetoric. There are some people like uh, Naomi Klein, and uh, I haven't read her book about climate change, uh, but I have read the back cover of it, and it basically says that you know climate change is an indication that our our system is not working, that capitalism has failed and that, you know, we need a massive revolution to, you know, change everything. And, you know, let's let's harness this issue as an opportunity to change everything the Mm -hmm. way we want it to be. And I can understand that freaking out people, you know, who don't have that sort of ideology um, and really getting their backs up and making them more suspicious of, you know, what scientists are talking about. So in a way, I feel like stuff like that does a real disservice mm. when you're trying. Like, I would love for us all just to come down to the fundamental issue of raising the temperature of the planet by a couple degrees, which I don't think is a contentious issue scientifically. And then thinking about that as kind of a risk factor. There's a guy who's a, a kind of lobbyist for Republicans. And I, I love the way he sort of talks about it, which is we acknowledge this as a, as a potential risk for the future. And you don't know how bad it's going to be. It might be really, really bad or it might just be like kind of bad but banks uh for one have a lot of experience with dealing with potential risks in the future and what do you do when you have a risk which you know has a small probability of being terrible you hedge against it and you 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 Mm -hmm. sort of pay in a certain amount up front to make sure that never happens because if it did happen you know there's nothing you could do that would make you whole so it's just it's fundamentally this sort of uh it's a risk management game and he's trying to talk to people and say, like, who cares how mu- how bad you think this is going to be? And who cares, you know, how much you really acknowledge this? Mm-hmm. Consider that it is a risk, that it is something with uncertainty, which everyone acknowledges. And what do you do in the face of an uncertain risk? Take steps to mitigate it. And that's where I'd love to see us go, is this place where we acknowledge it as a risk, some uncertainty in the future, and something that we should probably take some measures to prevent. Right, and you're mm-hmm. and you're saying that right now the two sides of the debate are uh, alarmism, yep, and and kind of demonizing anybody who questions it, and then people who just deny it, yep. And those are the two camps. And so, where's the action going to take place? We just be like, well, guys, uh, something could be happening, and that something that's happening could be really bad. Uh, and what can what can we do? What are the practical steps that we can agree on? Mm. You know. I think that's a pretty reasonable perspective. I'd love for us to get there. Um, I, you know, I feel like media has made things, and and I kind of refer to the, like the internet and social media has mm-hmm. all made this much worse. Hmm. It's funny to think like where would we be policy wise if it's it was 1999 now, you know what I mean in terms of technology and everything. We didn't have Twitter or Facebook or YouTube. Obviously, we wouldn't be here, but. Um, mm-hmm. But if you know what I mean, like the internet's allowed people to find their voice. Well, and also <coughs> the people like them. Oh yeah. And really get into these camps. Oh yeah. Would we be more integrated if we had fewer communications technologies? Yeah, that is the really ironic thing that's happened. We're more connected and more divided than ever. We, we were. T- I was talking with somebody about this other other day, and we were talking about what we thought about issues, you know, in the 80s or wh- how we learned about things. And mm-hmm. it was just like, there's a couple of people that knew stuff. There's a couple of outlets. And of course, in one sense, that information was controlled by people who may have been deceiving the public. But in another sense, it's like you didn't have this like 
this is my guy, this is my internet guy, this is the website I go to, and this, this is, this, these are the people who have it right. And That's any- right, and I also feel like people had a greater sense of integrity for some reason. Maybe it was out of this false notion that they couldn't uh, push the envelope too far. You know, like even if someone was controlling the news you know, back in the eighties, they would never dream of like putting on false stories or anything because it, you know, that's ridiculous. Who would yeah. ever do? No, we, we have some integrity. <laughs> and then the, these days, you know, it's like anyone could put anything out there and then yeah. it can blow up without anyone's oversight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a really scary uh, position to be in. I also think, you know, uh, media has made it. So there's a big market. If you want to be extreme on this side or extreme on this side, yeah. there's not a lot of a market for the middle. Right. And that's really kind of unfortunate, and I think does the dis, you know a, a massive disservice to the entire discourse. Well, it's interesting because podcasts have kind of changed this in one sense. It's like I think about that all the time when I'm listening to people talk about complex issues on podcasts. I'm like, this would never happen on the news. Oh yeah, like mm-hmm. you'd never get into something like that and actually hear somebody break something down. Um, yeah, not a sound bite, a sound meal, sound meal, sound meal. <laughs> that's what we should have called perhaps the podcast. a biscuit. Maybe um, that's what your biscuit actually means, Link. Sound meal. Um, but let me sh- let me shift gears to the th- the the speculative distant future that you are most excited about. Like it could it could be I don't know. It could be a, a, a autonomous beard trimmer. Well, he said multi interplanetary travel. That's what he yeah. said. Yeah, is that what it is? Yeah. You know, multiplanetary species, that's uh, my vision for the future. And and it's also really that thing of um, liberation from work, which is something we kind of talked on earlier yeah. in, in the podcast. But you think about the history of humans as a species. And from the very earliest times, you know, we've been about doing the fundamental work needed to survive, mm-hmm. uh, you know, getting food and taking care of, you know, family and stuff. And that's about all we had time for. Mm-hmm. And then you move through the agricultural uh, revolution and you start to get you know artists and writing and poetry and you know things start to enrich our lives and move through the industrial revolution and, and the number of people who can do those sorts of things really increases and now we're going through you know further revolutions with this technology and so I'm imagining a future where people don't think about you know what is my job so that I can pay for a living and I can support a family yeah. I can you know find food you're thinking about people who really pursue um, their interests and their passions, and they have the freedom to to do that, and also do it in space. Yeah, repl- right. replacing right. desperation with hobbies. Is that how we're going to overcome, uh, you know, the population problem? Is going to other planets? Oh, I I somewhat I'm optimistic that we can support everyone on Earth. Right. Uh, you know, there there may be a few more billion, but the again, you look at the massive trends of the last you know, a few thousand years, and it is uh, reducing the amount of work, and it's also having fewer babies in developed countries. Right, yeah, the birth so, rate goes down. Yeah, so. I'm hoping that we see that, you know, if, I think we're already seeing it, the, the birth rate starting to level off in a lot of places, and uh, so hopefully we reach a point, and, you know, we have the, the capability and the technology to produce enough food, and, you know, I think it is possible. Um, but I think, you know, for the long-term survival of the human species, it's a good idea to be on multiple planets. And I also think, you know, space exploration would be one of my top goals. If I was in government, it wouldn't be growing the military, it would be growing the NASA budget. So what about getting to these, um, I mean, Mars is one thing, right? But 
Um, are you not not excited about Mars? No, are you I, like I'm waiting for Pluto. Well, no. <laughs> you know we uh, we went to JPL and they let us walk around the Mars yard, and it was. I mean, I gotta say it was pretty underwhelming. I mean, it was just. Yeah. It was I've just been kinda, there too. Just kind of a dirt. I mean, it is yeah. Pasadena. It's you know, <laughs> it's not Mars, right? To be fair, so well, it's a dirty backlot. But if that's what Mars is going to be like, I'm like, well, what about the Earth-like planets that we can actually get to? Wow. Right? Yeah, because we can't get to any right now. Right. So we're gonna have to figure out some tech if we're gonna get to. So yeah, how are we gonna do that? Like, what's the what's the closest one that they've discovered? Like, how many light years? I mean, twenty light years is probably your best bet um, in terms of Earth-like planets. And so, even that is is this gonna be? Are are we in a? um, What is it? What's the movie where? Chris Pratt's Was on that the passengers. Yeah, passenger. So is it is it that kind of situation where we got people in some sort of, you know, cryogenic freezing, some state, and we just it's just you were propelling them across the universe. I feel like the first thing we'd send is robots. Did they send robots first in that movie? I haven't seen mm. it. I heard I, it was bad. I it, didn't watch it. it. Yeah, I heard it was bad it, too. It, it just started in the middle of the journey, so uh, there was no robot. Right. Um, uh, I wonder if you just send a colony. You know, a group of people who could live and like have kids, and they could have kids, and by the time you get there, you know, it's your fifth grandchild mm. who, who settles on the place. But your other option, uh, you know, the crazy thing about relativity is that if you go fast enough, the distance gets shorter. Mm-hmm. This is the crazy thing about special relativity. So, for example, if you could go uh, nearly the speed of light, point nine 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 the speed of light, mm-hmm. then to someone on Earth, it would seem to take about 20 years to get that distance, you know, for that for that person to arrive there. But for the people inside the spacecraft, it would actually take much less time. Right. This is the crazy fact of But how are we gonna get that fast? Well, that's the key. We gotta find a good energy source, and that's probably going to be something like fusion. Mm-hmm. Could be fission. It's probably gonna be fusion, nuclear fusion. So the same thing that powers the sun. Doesn't sound dangerous at all. Right, but I mean, people are working on it right now. Yeah, Uh, They're trying to get a reactor up in Europe right now to actually make power out of fusion. So the same thing as happens in the sun, just combining hydrogen atoms together, uh, squeezing them together, making helium and other sorts of things. And that's happening? Yeah, people are working on it. In fact, they've been working on it for decades. The problem that they've been having is they put so much energy in to heat the particles up and get them you know, ready to do their fusion thing Mm -hmm. uh, that they actually get less energy out of the fusion process. Oh, okay. So, so it's it's, it's an input right output now. issue. Right. But I think the we're very close to that uh sort of tipping point, inflection point where we're actually going to start getting more out than we put in. Well, and, and at the moment that you reach that point, doesn't that basically just that becomes our energy? I mean, you don't yeah. have, you don't even need solar at that point. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's like solar on earth. You're making your own star kind of thing. Uh, but but actually getting the technology to be affordable and, you know, um stable, easy to use that you know, it'll take time. So it's kind of like showering so hard that you make yourself stink. Mm. I don't, I don't know that yeah. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> if you expend so much energy. Mm. Oh, yeah. To yeah, you go hard in the shower. You got to be careful. <laughs> right. I've never, never <laughs> contemplated don't go, this. Don't go right. hard in the I shower. I don't go hard. <laughs> I take it easy. I just lay back. Right. Take a tub bath. Man. Oh man. You got to get, you got to get out more than you put in. That's you right. don't want to stink coming out of the shower. Definitely not. Uh, this is a question I've often uh, had with my friends, like swimmers when they go in the pool. Mm-hmm. Do they sweat? Oh gosh. See. And can they answer the question? 
I don't know. I'm no swimmer. Look, this and is, I'm, I'm, I'm not friends with swimmers. I, you got all I got to do is take a sample, man. But how do you do it? I mean, they're wet anyway. That's a good. But that's you like get, a video for your channel. Yeah, man. it is. It is. Do swimmer sweat? Hey, title thumbnail, everything. It's right all there. done. It's all but done. Can we can we collab on the go hard in the shower? <laughs> yeah, we'll do go hard in the shower. <laughs> that's a good title on our channel. And then it's just it's just total clean science. Uh, it's not what you think it is. Yeah, that'll right. get yeah. clicks. That'll. That's a good one. Okay, well, Derek, this has been a great conversation. Of course, we can't just end it here um, because we promised that you you guys would settle your score. Yeah, um, you guys. So uh, why don't, before you settle your score, remind everybody where they can find you on the internet. Uh, you can find me with the word Veritasium. It's- uh, Everywhere. Yeah, Veritasium Everywhere Veritasium. Verita I can't even say it now. Veritas. You can't even say it because of the anger. I, it's because <laughs> of the anger that is deep inside you. Veritasium is found wherever it's found. It's you. Yeah. Hopefully, no one's impersonating no you. No one's. I got that trademarked. So what? It, <laughs> yes. You want me to punch him? Yeah. To end the podcast. I want you to give him a love I'm, lick. I'm, I want you to give him a love lick. I, just, I, I like, think. I think. Oh, listen. Uh, it would make you feel better. I think. Just getting that energy you out. You think that I? This would close tense, the circle. You know I, what I'm saying? I got so much pleasure out of turning this into entertainment for everybody that I feel like I can't punch well, you. Well, could, you could hug him um, hug real hard. Hug it out. Listen, I, I'm gonna put it this way. I'm not gonna, I, I have no revenge in my heart. I have only love and forgiveness and respect. Wow. And um, I just consider it an honor to have been punched by the hand that held the world's smoothest object. Roundest, roundest object. Roundest. Yes. Okay. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> it was. It was the most perfect sphere. That it was the most spherical. Yeah. You screwed it up when you. It wasn't it. smooth. Uh. Well, of course, it has to be smooth in order to be the Round. roundest. But it's not the smoothest. Well, that that is a question. That's a baby's right. bottom. We'll collab on that too. <laughs> so you're not gonna hit him. Hmm. No, I'm not gonna hit him. That's stupid. I mean, they're still listening. Mission accomplished. Okay. But now we let him down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because because see, this is him, man. This is him playing producer. And it's not really I'm it's not Don really King, man. Yeah. I'm you know, we're gonna Dana. Shake, we're gonna, look at that. We're shaking I'm it Dana out. Dana White. Audio listeners, we're giving it a nice semi firm handshake. Yeah, squeeze it, Link. There's some oh, vibrational yeah. energy happening there. And wow. Yeah. <laughs> I love the I love the science on this podcast. It's fantastic. <laughs> I love how this is fizzling out too. The forgiveness. Forgiveness gives a good fizzle. It does. 